Welcome to the Chasing Passion Podcast. My name is Dom and I'm your host. Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. The feedback has been really good so far, so thank you so much. If you ever do have a suggestion or just any kind of feedback, just reach out to me through email, which is chasingpassionpodcast at gmail.com or through Instagram, which is Chasing Passion Podcast, and it's all just one word. Um, I apologize for the background noise in advance. I just couldn't remove all of it during the post-production, but it's genuinely not that bad. Um, so yeah, this week's guest is Kieran Fox. Kieran is currently working as an occupational therapist in Liverpool, while also pursuing his own personal projects and passions. You can reach out to Kieran through Instagram, which uh, where his name on Instagram is themindful.ot. So that is themindful.ot. Within that page, you can find lots of inf- in- interesting information about neuroscience, gratitude, stress, mindfulness, along with many other beneficial topics. In this episode, some of the things we talk about include what exactly is occupational therapy, stress and how to overcome it, the power of mindfulness and meditation, routines and priorities, top street recommended books by Kieran, habits that have helped him the most, along with many other topics. Hey Kieran, and thanks thanks for coming on the show, really appreciate it. So how are you How are you feeling today? My pleasure man, my pleasure, absolutely. Very good man, very good. Any excuse to uh, have a deep meaningful conversation with some form of uh, you know context or goal behind it, so podcast, absolutely man. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. So I guess the first question I have for you is, can you just tell us about your like your story, your background, who are you, what do you do, and so on? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, so my name is Kieran Fox. Um, originally actually born in London, controversial with this Irish accent. Um, grew up in Cork. And uh, when I was in four, fifth, sixth year, um, ended up kind of getting my head oriented to what I was wanting to do in the future. Um, decided occupational therapy would be what I wanted to do. Um, f- had a bit of a funny one with the leaving cert and um, ended up looking at different options. So ended up moving over to Scotland um, where I applied to one of the universities in Aberdeen. I went to Robert Gordon University, absolutely awesome university, and studied occupational therapy for four years. And graduated in 2017. Um, then decided Scotland was awesome, but needed some change. So jumped down to Liverpool. Uh, been down here for like the last two years. Um, worked in a few different rotations, as you do when you qualify as an OT. Um, and found my love mainly in neurology or clinical neurology. So mainly brain injuries and stroke. Um, and then just kind of been yoloing my way around since then. Yeah, awesome. That's that's good to hear. And um, can you just just tell us uh, what is occupational therapy? Like, I have no idea what that is. Um. The fa- the famous que- the famous question, man. The famous question. <laughs> I don't think half of uh, uh, people that do OT it is so basically occupational. I mean, I, th- I think it gets confused a lot with maybe physio, like oh, or the fact, or in the sense of you know, you work with physios, what, or like what kind of role do you have with them? Or when people think of OT, they think oh, like occupation, like work, like you get people back to work. And I mean, categorically, you're probably not wrong um, to an extent, but really, what we do is look to get you independent in your form of activities of daily living. And by doing that, we either adapt what you do or we either adapt the environment that you're in to facilitate independence. So 
in the form, in the context of university, I suppose that translates to a lot of it is very hospital-based um, occupational therapy. The same with most allied health professionals, speech and language therapy, physiotherapy, uh, dietitians. It's very much focused as getting you as a student to work in a hospital. Um, so as an occupational therapist at the moment, or the, what I've been doing work, is working in a hospital, is getting you to some form of baseline uh, that you know you can manage and wash and dress yourself, you can feed yourself, you can maintain it, a, a, a basic standard of living so that you can basically do everything that you're doing before. Um, so from that, I mean, this is why it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit funny, the definition of OT, because Originally, when occupational therapy came about, it was actually it came about between the gray spaces of professions. So, when thinking of you know you have psychology, you have physiotherapy, you have social workers, you have um, uh, all of these different professions, but there was a lacking or a tie that you know we need another role and this is where occupational therapy came so it didn't really have the definitive like this is what we do like physio you know this is what we do as physios so a lot of it is psychological a lot of it is physical a lot of it is mental health and for that reason it's very hard to define OT in one sense unless you have a kind of a category an idea of what you're talking about is it you know physical is it mental etc and from there then the actual form of work you're doing very much varies but at the at the solar context of OT, I suppose it is very much getting independent, doing the things that you love doing or doing the things that get you to either be safe or independent at home for as long as possible. Yeah, cool. And what do you actually like about your job? Like do you like yeah, what's what's your kind of favorite part about being an occupational therapist? Big questions, big questions. Um <laughs> uh, what I don't I mean it's there's so much there's so much to it, isn't there? I mean, from my own sense personally, when I first got into it, the core of what I want, what I really wanted to do was I wanted to work with people. You know, I wanted to um, give something back. I knew that I had um, from being in school and from uh, like playing sports. You know, I enjoyed being around the people. Um, I enjoyed you know um, some form of competition or working towards something and striving towards something. And OT really, I mean, it gave me such diversity. There's so many different areas you can go into. As long as you have an interest in, you know, working with people and that, you know, you're willing to, like, put the head down and, like, get into the books and apply that knowledge, that theoretical knowledge to, like, working with people, then, um, you know, it's very much up to you where you want to go with it. Um, I didn't really know that it was the, uh, neurology that I'd fallen in love with when I first did or, like, went into the course. It was very much, I'm going to, like, I, I know this is kind of what I want to do. I know I enjoy working with people and I know I'm going to have a great four years in university let's just roll with it um, when I went into like the actual course itself you know as most um, allied health professional courses have um, you end up having loads of placement um, same with nursing as well you end up having loads of placement you need to jump into a lot of different areas see what you like see what you don't like give yourself a bit of a taste for um, what is around the corner when you finish um, and the irony of it, I actually failed my uh, neurology placement in fourth year in university, which is like hilarious, man. <laughs> so failed my uh, after after like so seven week placement, seven week placement. I actually failed like, a few days before I was supposed to like finish, um, which in itself is funny. Like definitely was a big hit when it happened, but the amount of learning I got that from that as a result in the form of. Um, introspective reflection that I probably would have had on myself as a result of that was just like that was the kickstarter from everything else so fell in love with neuro from there and from there you just there's so much to like 
people, I think. I think people are just fascinating, you know. Yeah, from, like, an occupational therapy sense, when you're working in, like, brain injuries or strokes, like, our assessments are very much cognitive-based. So I need to form, I need to form for myself and for you as the patient a baseline of what your cognition is like. Now, cognition meaning a level of thinking, awareness, problem-solving, information processing, um, visual processing, etc., etc., and need to establish a form of rehab plan or assessment plan that I'm going to make to, you know, get you out of the situation you're in. So from that point of view, from looking at, like, the brain and studying the brain and, like, actually getting to apply that, like, that's awesome. That's so cool, you know. And I think not only from that, from looking at, you know, how the person's mind thinking works, especially when it's damaged. It's very interesting uh, to work with people when, you know, they're they're not at a baseline like you, you or myself, you know, we, like we very much take for granted what we have. And unfortunately, the way it is us being human beings as we are, is we don't really realize what we have until we don't have it anymore. So I guess that working with people gave me that profound perspective and appreciation for, like, this is an absolute honor. It's a duty to get to, like, um, work with people that are dire in need. And it's even better for the fact that I enjoy it because... Like I, I know what I'm doing to an extent. Like I know what I'm doing, but I can actually apply that. And I think from that, I think it's very interesting making connections with people. Um, and I think that's what makes it a bit more fulfilling than I'd say other professions. For the fact of you know, there's other professions where um, you, you you might be working with a computer, and you mightn't have the chance to actually work with people that much. You know, there's a there's a profound sense of connection when you work with people, and I think that gives you a bit more of a drive and a bit more. I don't know, want to do your job. Um, it's very easy to get complacent, I think, when you go into like these full-time jobs. It mightn't be what you think it is in university, but you qualify. You end up getting a few months down the road, and the horrible thing is you're like, what, like is what I did the right thing? Am I, did I make the right choices here? And people people change. Like if you, you don't have the same people every day. Sitting behind a desk, however, you know, might absolutely wreck your head, and you can see where there's no form of, you know, um, personal like oh, I'm so happy I'm doing this like like thank God I studied what I studied you know um, so I think from that point of view people for people very much makes the the, the job I'm doing at the moment hmm. well yeah I, I can definitely agree with the desk job like um, it's definitely not for everybody and um, but like some people genuinely do enjoy having a desk job which is fine I mean you do you you do what you enjoy like you clearly enjoy working with people which is good you continue to do that and I was actually going to ask you, like, there's obviously parts of any job that you don't necessarily enjoy. There's always that part that you just have to do, but it's just part of the job, part of the job. So what is that part for you? And like, what do you not enjoy about um, your work? Oh, I mean, everyone has bits and pieces of work that they don't enjoy doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, like, it can't, like it, it's like you can translate that to any, you know um you know relationships like you might love the bits of the person you're with but like you're not always there for the good times and the reason why you love doing what you're doing is because no matter the shit times or like the good times you're you're you're, you're there for it because it's truly what you want to do so i think first of all it's like nearly taking it back like before you like decide what you don't like it's very much so like what is it i truly enjoy doing because no matter what like there is it's it's a journey like it's not a straight line like you're gonna have things you genuinely don't enjoy doing but those forms of not doing need to be less than the reason why you went into what you what you did at the in the first place so I mean if we take back the instance that you're at, like the last point of you know I really enjoy working with people. 
that's something that I know that for me is something that is like I, that, that's my own self-assessment. I know I'm good with people. My communication skills and interpersonal skills is something that would like it, it transcends any form of job. So before thinking this is something I had about a job, it's like well I know this is what I love doing. It doesn't really matter what I don't like doing as long as I get this form of doing that I love. Then the rest of it is like substandard. I can get over the rest of it. I think I think a lot of people would probably have the same thing when it comes to the sense of my point now is that when you go to work full-time, full-time being maybe nine to five if you're lucky, and I know people work shift work, and you, you need to have appreciation mm -hmm. for even having a nine to five job, you know, the sustainability, like the uh, the comfort and all that. But for me, like nine to five ruins head, like it wrecks my head not having freedom of time. You know, the rigidity of like getting up in the morning at a certain time, you know you're coming to the same place, the same people to an extent, um, very varying on your work. It's it's draining. Like I've only I've worked full I've worked full time now for like two nearly two years, and already I've gone part time in that work. So that that line of work, and now I only I work three days a week, for, so that I can pursue other projects, other goals, other things of interest to me. But I still have that core, like what I love doing and what I love doing. Like I love people, you know, and I love using my form of knowledge or my enjoyment, which is, you know, how the brain works, how uh, my profound understanding of activity analysis, like how we do things, and then relating that to, like, what people love doing. Like, what do you love to do? How can I love to get you doing what you love doing? But even, like, not only to, like, a normal baseline, but even better. And then how can I do that in a fashion that meets, like, my own, you know, objectives with life as well to keep me interested? Um, but, yeah, I would say, like, mainly the 9 to 5 um, is what, like, maybe deterred me off like sticking to the traditional occupational therapy role um i'm sure you could probably say the same as well for yourself or maybe you enjoy doing the nine to five as well like what what about yourself man no me personally uh, i don't really enjoy the nine to five like i'm very much like you that i want i actually like i love working with people as well i love like dealing with strangers I love dealing with complaints like that's 100 percent me as well I, I, do, I do not like routine I don't like when, you know, I've been told what to do. I want to decide what I want to do myself. So I'm 100% in that. But like, you know, I, I think it's like really self-awareness. I think it's really self-awareness. Like, um, you know, find out like what suits you the best. Like some people might love a, a nine-to-five job. And that's good. I mean, pursue, pursue a nine-to-five job. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's not, you know, be self-aware about it. Like if it, if it suits you, go ahead. But like, like yourself, you know, you're clearly doing what you want to do, which is good. Like, we need more people to step out of, you know, the, the typical kind of routine. You just like you just like lighting up like bulbs in my head there, man. Like it's funny when you say that, like you know, people should like get out of that or like should be more aware that there's more than the nine to five. And in the age that we live nowadays, like if you have a question take your phone out and you have the answer. Like, we live in an age of information. And because of that, I think a lot more people would be aware of, you know, there is an alternative to maybe what your parents did. And maybe the 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 roles that um, people that you had in your life when you were younger are maybe not the things that you follow now because, you know, social media is such a huge influence. And I think personally for me, like, that was a massive thing when I was, like, deciding what I wanted to do. Like, you, you know, you see, like, different forms of influencers or, like, not even influencers, but you see people with different lives. And, and I think, like, using those as, uh, like, forms... Uh, to make your like like audacious goals is like so essential because if like if you don't have that 
like it's very tough to get out of that nine to five rut. Like it's very tough to like leave being comfortable or leave sustainability. Yeah. And what is at the center of that is if you don't have a profound why, like your reasoning to like, you know, like do something different, then you're like you're never gonna change. Um so from that point when you're saying like, you know, have that like self awareness, it really needs to start from you know, give yourself that perspective on like what else is out there. Otherwise, I mean, you're fighting a losing battle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I, I agree with that hundred percent. And you know, going on a, you, you mentioned that you have personal projects that you're working on. Uh, what are they? Like, what are you currently working on? Oh, oh, I mean, uh, this, this, it's so so funny with me. I like, I like, I am. I'm such a right-sided thinker, like uh, so. I don't know if you're like m- like much of a neuro uh, freak like me, but our brain is like two halves, like left side of your brain, uh, like localization-wise, we would say that you're very like analytical thinker, like constructive thinking, you know, like you like maths and all that. And the right side is very much abstract, you know, very creative thinking. I'm such a right-sided thinker in the sense. I always have different ideas. I mean, like, I, like I love music. Like, uh, play guitar for years and years. Um, love art. Like, I've been writing poetry for like the last like year and a half as well. Uh, there's always different ideas. There's always different focuses, and it's very hard to like keep me on just like one or two things, which is like a thing I've definitely had to like practice over the last few years. Um, personal project wise, um, so as I've said, I am currently working part time. So that means I'm working. Uh, three days a week in a hospital and then two other days I have Monday, Tuesday, even though I kind of like make, like trying to get this whole idea of weekends out of the way. I don't like the idea that like, you know, you have Monday to Friday and then the weekends is to chill. Um, I'm very much making my three days is, uh, is formal work um, that I know I have to show up at and then I have my other four days of this is me so this is what I want to choose to my personal projects on or enjoy. I mean, this is like, you know, freedom of time. That's what I wanted. Um, one project I'm working on at the moment is um, I was writing a few ebooks. So I, in, I would say I enjoy reading. Um, would probably be. Uh, I mean, I I think a lot of people enjoy reading. I think I enjoy reading quite a bit, and I think I've only developed that love maybe the last like two and a half years. And from that, I wanted to put my content and the things that I've learned that I enjoyed into um, a form of learning tools. So say for the likes of eBooks, they're cheap, they're easy to do. Um, if you have the content you're willing to put the work in, um, you know, it's very doable to make these things. As I went down over the last year, I ended up making tons and tons of content, very much related to um, stress, um, mindfulness, um, neuroscience, um, like neuro principles of occupational therapy. And I was like, how can I like take all these uh, things and put them into some form of platform? Um, so at the moment, I'm making a coaching and teaching platform uh, that should go live, I'm going to say, before the end of the year. Um, the teaching platform, hopefully before or after but the coaching platform will be up before that um so instead of making all the ebooks now i'm like right i want the whole website i want to like take people i want to create an experience for people based on what i would like my profound understanding of doing you know occupation activity my understanding of the brain and also my understanding of stress and mindfulness and how to create a form of um objective thinking in a heightened stressful situation or heightened environment um between that uh, see, this is this is what I mean. I've got so many different things in my head. So that's number one. All right, that's number one. The next one is I think in school we are not taught enough about money, and unfortunately, 
the thing what keeps people in a nine to five job is money. But we're not really taught about money, are we? So financial intelligence is something I've been very aware of over the last few years. And unfortunately, my love for my freedom of time, which is what I've craved, is kind of coincides with being some form of financially free or financially stable. Now, the form that you create that finance from doesn't have to just be from formal physical work, like being your nine to five or physical job. So I've also looked at different avenues, um, working and collabing with different people, um, which I have a few projects going on with a few people coming up in the next few months, um, which don't really know enough about really to talk about, but I know that there's stuff I'm going to be working on. And then one thing at the moment I'm working on is Forex. So foreign exchange, currency trading, like crypto, these are all very like popular at the moment. But um, again, like anything that makes you money, it can be very lucrative. Um, if you're not willing to put in the work and educate yourself in the right and correct manner, and if you're not willing to take audacious like risk and, and make, um, you know, huge goals, it's going to be very difficult to achieve some form of financial success in those avenues. So I've been doing a lot of study in Forex and um, been doing some demo trading as well and trying to get myself some form of another um, form of revenue coming in. But mainly, it's, it's making multiple streams, man. Trying to make multiple streams in forms of doing that I love doing. Um, so the coaching platform, uh, Forex, and then a few different collabs and... Um, public speaking as well is a big thing that I've been uh, getting into at the moment as well. Uh, between those three, uh, I think they're the, they're the, they're the big ones, um, I would say, in one category of things, like the professional context. And then I have, you know, my own personal projects. So I'd be very into health and fitness, um, as the, a, lot of, a lot of people are nowadays. You know, it's it's all over everywhere. It's topical. It's popular to be into, like, healthy eating and uh, some form of physical exercise. Um, been very much into that for years. Played rugby for years at home um, and in university and got very much into weightlifting. I'm very, very aware of the body and nutrition. Um, so I've made it a thing. Um, it's it's been on my it's been back on my radar list to start smashing and losing body fat. Um, I would say I'm in a very decent body fat percentage at the moment. I'm very happy with my um, physique and strength wise as well. But maybe taking it to the next level. Um, slide personal project for myself. Getting back into counting macros, which has been uh, quite a while since I've been counting macros, um, especially to like get yourself down to maybe 10, 11 percent body fat. Um, and then also, uh, so enjoy writing poetry as well, man. Um, which might actually surprise you, me saying that I'm writing poetry. So I, th I think it's funny. Like what? Like what was it, like? If you were to think of someone that uh, poetry, like, what are the things that you would think of straight away? Like what comes to mind? Um, I was actually never a big fan of poetry in school, but I guess the first thing that comes to mind is I don't know. Well the people who were just genuinely passionate about like English, I don't know, always read like non-fiction books. I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure. I don't really have an opinion on poetry. Um, cause I such, I have a very minor interest in it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I would have been the same, like in England, like English and like leaving Sarah, like I absolutely sucked. Like poetry, like did like not speak to me whatsoever. I did not understand it, you know, but when, uh, I was trying to like take all of my reading, I was like, how can I put this in a constructive manner that, I can take my insights and perspectives because, like, that's what it's all about—gaining insights and perspectives so that you can, like, you know, interact with others. 
how can I put that into a form that is meaningful to people that they can relate to, but also makes an enjoyable experience? So what I did was I started to rhyme my form of thinking and my perspective. That turned into spoken word. Now, spoken word is very much a kind of performance. You know, you're you're giving perspective and and rhyme, and it's all about um, how you speak it and say. It. And it's nearly it's a it's a total art, really. That then became poetry in a sense, which is kind of the same thing. I mean, like and, and like. Uh, you're rhyming to give people an experience so that you can educate in a non-clinical manner. Because I find a lot of the time when people are giving information, it's very much in a clinical fashion. You have a problem. I want to know how to fix this. This is the solution. I wanted to create a way for myself, because it's a form of self-expression as well, but also for other people that I have this perspective, uh, this is how I'm showing it to you, and it's fun, and it's interesting, and it's a bit of a journey and a story that I'm telling you, and all you want to do is know what I'm what I'm talking about. You want to know more. You want to know a bit more. And then in that, there's loads of different perspectives and insights and like information that you can take from that. It's non-specific. It doesn't, it's not totally related to you, but there's bits and pieces that you can take out that makes it more relatable. So... If it's more relatable, it means that you're more interested. It means that you enjoy it more, and it's not directly faced at you. So you can just like take what you want. It's an experience, um, and from that point of view, poetry in that sense or spoken word, uh, which I've done a few competitions in since I've been in Liverpool, is very much something where you can get your point across in a very articulate manner that can hit people in a very, very meaningful way. And a very interesting thing that my dad told me years and years ago is that, and it's stuck in me ever since, that people will not remember what you say, but they will very much remember how you feel, or how you made them feel. Sorry, and I have such a, I have such a. Profound understanding of how that works now, from you know a neural point of view, that how we how memories are formed is very much so. When you're younger, you know your prefrontal cortex isn't very much developed, whereas your temporal temporal and parietal lobes are very much developed. So these are all the information taking lobes, you know, all the looking at the environment and taking everything in. But the frontal lobe is what organizes all that. Now, when we're children, this frontal lobe isn't fully developed. So all we're doing is taking this information. This is why we bite, this is why we scream, this is why we cry, because we're looking for a form of um, conclusion to the information that we've taken in. But you know, when you're speaking to people, they're not going to remember what you what you said to them. They'll very much remember that innate thing of how you made them feel, because primitively, that's how we that's how we form the most meaningful memories. And in the sense of going back even further behind, like why is that? Like why do we take in things of emotion? And it goes down to the basics of survival. We like if you get into a situation where your life is a threat, you will avoid that situation if you know that it scared the absolute hell out of you. Now, we can translate that to every form of memory, every form of thinking. So if you take to the sense of you're giving someone a form of perspective or education or understanding, and they're like, holy shit, man, like, I can totally relate to that. Like, that, like I've never, like, I've never, like, thought about that that way. Like, that person will remember that, like, forever. And if you can create that form of and that puts you in a very opportune way to not only meet people and progress your life in a, in a manner that meets your own, but it's symbiotic, you know, you're benefiting, like the other person's benefiting in a, in a way that is not really goal-based as well. It's very, very, uh, very funky, very funky topic, uh, the whole spoken word and poetry in a form of sense of giving perspective and educating. Very, very different. I mean, yeah, the way you explain it now sounds super interesting. Now I'm kind of interested in poetry myself. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say, you clearly did, um, you clearly did your research in um, stress and mindfulness 
could you just explain to us um like what is mindfulness and why it's important and how yeah oh stress is so like stress is such a funny one isn't it you know we live as i said so we live in this age of information we're bombarded by so much it's very hard to create a sense of self nowadays without feeling that you have to be someone or something or do something or something in a certain way at a certain time of the day and eat something etc etc and with this it naturally like you're, there's so much information coming at you it's very very hard to like 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 organize this in a in a fashion that makes sense to you and because People are doing maybe maybe doing things they don't particularly enjoy, or they don't have the education or something to cope with that. Like stress is huge, you know. If you look behind, like what fascinates me most about about stress, before I kind of explain like uh, more into the mindfulness, is that stress is is very much at the uh, at the core behind a lot of comorbidities that you see people having. Like why does someone smoke? Why what and why why might someone smoke? Why might someone be obese? Why might someone have an addiction? Why, uh, at the at the core of this, now it's totally multifaceted and multifactorial based on the, a very biopsychosocial approach based on how our biology works, how our psychology and thinking works, and how the environment that we're brought up in and our experience works. So I appreciate it's very multifaceted, but at the core for a lot of people it's stress. And what is stress really? It's a form of anxiety, a form of thinking. And where does anxiety come from? Anxiety comes from not having the answer to things. You know, it's it's overthinking. What's what, what if? What if? What if? And that takes you back to that very primitive survival instinct of there is a situation that I don't know the outcome of. How can I uh, put myself in a way that I know the answer that puts me in a safe way? And translating that to everyone's life, you know, we have this in everyday life. Uh, there's always something on our mind. There's always something new we should be doing. There's always uh, a time checklist that we have to be following. Or there's always an alarm that we need to like get up by. And from that, I very much realized that mindfulness or being mindful is the key to overcoming a form of um, being stressed. Now, thinking of mindfulness, I absolutely hate the word mindfulness. I genuinely hate the word mindfulness. It's very, I think ambiguous. I think it's very unclear and waffy and very qualitative in the sense that it's hard to quantify what exactly this is. Um, and I hate that. So from that point of view, I knew that I knew that stress is very interesting and it relates to everything I enjoy doing and it affects everyone and everything. How can I solve that? Mindfulness is some form of key. Until I educated myself in what it is and I actually did a practitioner course in it, um, I didn't truly appreciate like what the term meant. So mindfulness or being mindful is having a non-judgmental acceptance of the thoughts that you may have in the present moment that you are in. And from that, it dilutes into, into um, forms of different forms of meditations, but uh, to center yourself. And also, you know, as you get further into the whole uh, persona and the whole... Um, concept and, li and living and being mindful um, you know you, there's different meditations from looking at yourself to like look to improve and grow um, but the the core of mindfulness is to gather yourself to be present because if you can be present in the moment if you can be present in the now like right now you're not worrying about the past so you're not depressed you're not you're you're not anxious about the future because you don't know what the answers are you only have this moment right now, you know what you have right now, and if you can anchor yourself with that, 
from a neurological point of view, because I appreciate how the brain works and I understand how the brain works, if you can center yourself from that point of view, you can relax your amygdala, your primitive brain, so that your higher level brain can do the thinking for you. You can make more objective decision making. You're not putting yourself into a heightened state so that your body is reacting. You're using your brain and being that higher being that you know we all are. And mindfulness is truly the key I found for myself personally being a practitioner of it, being someone that wants to coach this, and I has been coaching this for a while. And for someone that wants to, I think, improve people's lives, you know, it's kind of very much the same of, like, why I went into OT, like, why did I, uh, like, what do I want to do here? Like, you know, you want to give a form of yourself through your learning to benefit people. And improving someone's stress through a form of mindful practice or mindfulness, I mean, sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, I think the benefits of mindfulness are are definitely like um like they're they're amazing. Like, and I think it's gonna be a big trend as well in the future. Like, you can you can see more and more people trying to um kind of incorporate mindfulness. They're doing meditation like through the apps like Headspace. Like Sam Harris has um some brilliant books on meditations and like why mindfulness is important. So it's, I feel like it's gonna be a big trend, and it actually is already a big trend. And the other um like you know like let's just say. Yeah, mindfulness is important, but like, how do you become mindful? Like, how, yeah, how does someone become mindful? Like, how do you, what's the practice involved in mindfulness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's this, and that's the big question. That's what turns something very qualitative into something very quantitative, like fact fiction. This is what I know what to do. Give me the answer right now. Um, so I would say mindfulness. Take away the term mindfulness and make it more um, attentive awareness, I would say. So being attentive or like in the moment of where you are. Now, if we were to put this into practice, this is literally as simple as focusing on a task that you're doing, which is so funny because occupational therapy is so linked to mindfulness, except it's just said in very, very different words. So you any form of doing. So say if you're eating your food, you're going downstairs and you're going to eat your dinner after this because um, I'll be absolutely hungry as well, so I'll be smashing some food after this. But... Instead of having a thinking of a million different things, getting like a podcast out, YouTube out, chatting to like your like friends, your flatmates, your parents, your brother, your sister, literally just focus on like the actual task that you're doing. Like, well, like appreciate the food you're having, like and use your senses. You know, what does it taste like? So, like, focusing on different things, like what, like what am I tasting? What am I hearing? Like, what's the environment around me? Like, taking out this whole thinking of what's next, what's next, what's next, what have I done, what have I done, what have I done, and just focus on exactly what you're doing right there. Now, you can translate that to even washing up. I think washing up is such a, like, a very, like, uh, um, uh, what's the word? chill out like activity for me like just like to turn off like it's so it's very sensory you're getting the feedback from like the warm water you're very much focusing on like you're like what, what am i hearing right now like what am i feeling what am i doing um the different shapes and textures in your hands um and it's, it's very relaxing almost it's very therapeutic that was the word very therapeutic but People, I think, maybe disregard doing the simplest of tasks because they're like, oh, like sh it should be more complicated than that. I should need to like do something more complicated to get very mindful. But it starts with the very basics and then it gets more complicated because if you can create presence in a form of doing, in a simple doing, then you can look to make it slightly more complex. So as you have 
your first stage of okay, I can get, I can told I'm very much happy of getting myself present in doing an activity. Then it's practice your meditations, and one simple meditation is like a breathing meditation or body scan meditation, where you take yourself. You can either in a sitting position, lying down position, in a quiet environment. It can be outside, it can be inside. Initially, focus on your breathing, and the differences of mindfulness rather than other meditations and um, other forms of practices is that you do it in a non-judgmental fashion, and it's very much stipulated that you do that. You're not looking to change something. You're not looking to change the rate of your breathing. You're you're literally becoming aware of it, and in you want to become aware in every sense. So, first of all, become aware of your breathing. How how does that feel with your chest rising up and down? become a bit more aware of the rhythm then take yourself once you're grounded in your in your breath in your environment then take yourself through your body bring your attention to the different areas of your body feet shins quads glutes up into your abdomen up into the, the points of your hands into your shoulders by doing this you're creating a total presence and awareness of your body and self in this moment of where you are you come out of that even a few minutes later and then you go back to like thinking of your everyday life you're very much centered because your body is very much relaxed and it allows you to go from a level where you might have been heightened to now I can approach these heightened states or these heightened situations in an objective manner from which my body is not controlling me, my brain is very much controlling what I'm going to do next. And that's a, that's a beautiful skill to learn. I like very, very cool, very, very, very uh, interesting from a practitioner point of view and I mean uh, like um, a student to it myself. Um, but to actually teach that as well, think very very interesting yeah like i personally love mindfulness like i recently like i recently started kind of writing down things i'm grateful for like that made a huge difference in my life and then then i then i kind of like well first of all i went to this i went to this meditation class because my friend asked me okay dom do you want to come to this meditation class and i've actually never been to meditation class this is this is all the way last year and yeah so there's like there's about 10 people in the room and uh, the the meditation was led by a blind man basically and yeah so he, he just kind of gave us a few exercises to do during the class and then we all sat down and did the meditation and afterwards he asked us like what 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 do we think during the meditation and i kind of blurted out saying um oh i thought this was really cool and i'd love to do it again and he told me okay i can i i'm kind of happy that you said that, and i'm kind of sad that you said that he was happy because obviously it's his class he enjoyed like he he liked listen you know that enjoyed his class and the other thing that he said is um like why are you focused in the future if you're currently doing the thing that you that you want to be doing right now like why are you thinking about the future if you are living if you're enjoying what you do now and after that day it just made me realize that he's 100 percent correct like why am i focused about the future if i could be present right now enjoying what i'm currently doing and ever since that day, I started reading books like The Power of Now and um, Waking Up by Sam Harris and um, like all of Eckhart Tolle's um, YouTube videos, just researching mindfulness myself because it's such a huge, like it's, oh, it's huge, like stress. Oh, I think like if you're never like you're living, li you're living life now, you're living life now and that's the only time you're going to be living life. So you might as well be here fully because you can have all the goals you want. You can have all the dreams you want to have. But like if you're not happy in your current situation, you'll never be happy. So yeah, those are my kind of thoughts on mindfulness. Like I think it's I think it's so good. Yeah. 
it's awesome man. like and even like I sometimes have to like say to myself like self affirmations like my friend Danny um uh, one of the boys who has uh, owns physiotrician and top gym tips like a uh, good friend of mine he's very much on like affirmations like having daily affirmations to yourself and having a positive form of self talk but that form of self talk like grounds yourself like really thinking like I was thinking what was I doing the other day um I was talking to one of my friends and I was thinking uh, we were just like chilling out and I was thinking of a million different things I was having to do afterwards and I was like dude, like, like, lad, like, be here, like, and then I was like, no, like, be here, like, right now, and I was like, and in my, in my own head, just, like, literally, like, literally, like, punch myself, and, like, man, like, there's a hundred things you're thinking about, and you're chatting bollocks to your friend, like, actually have a meaningful interaction here, and uh, appreciate the moment you have right now, the sun is out, like, you, you, like, you got a great job, you got, like, love and family, friends, all the above, like, gratitude, you know, this form of self-talk, and actually practicing that, like, in your daily practice of when you're doing it, like, that's the main thing. You know, it's one thing to very much talk about, this is what you should do, and, like, this is what the books say, and, like, this is what this person did, and he's very successful. But, like, that's total, absolute bollocks if you don't practice that daily. Um, and I'm very much uh, a, a, an advocate for practice what you're preaching. Do you know, I very much appreciate if you read and if you and if you have perspective, but like where is your like where is your like and what? Like tell me more. Like where is the form of doing behind this? Because otherwise like anyone could say anything. Like talk is cheap. Like doing talks. Um and that for having those forms, daily affirmations, I think very much ground yourself and center yourself and make mindfulness or being mindful and present like a very doable thing. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and you're obviously a well-read guy. Like, uh, it seems like you read a lot of books. Um, so, what are the kind of one to three books that have made the biggest influence on your life, personally? Ooh, big question, man. Big question. Um, I um, I would say for interacting with people, it has to be how to win people over and influence people. And I've said this before, like Dale Carnegie, like it's a, it's a go-to, it's a must. Like it's been there for years and years. Uh, you see it nodding your head like, yes, man, like correct answer. Um, it, but, and it's true. It's like, it gives you, it gives you the, the skills you need for understanding how people work, um, understanding how to win situations with people and get the most out of an interaction. Like not in a goal fashion, like not in a negative ma manner in the sense that like, you want to understand the person and in your interaction with that individual. So how can you maximize the form of input you're having to, to optimize the outcome that is as a result of that interaction? Um, and doing that in a meaningful manner that doesn't impose negativity on that other person is very, very vital. Um, and those particular um, insights um, from Joe Carnegie, I mean, they were massive when I was like, when I first started like reading. Um, I would say another book. Oh, there's so many different authors. It's very tough. Like um, for me, I would say. So you have how to work with people. I'd say Dale Carnegie. I'd say number two for getting yourself in your own head and becoming a bit more self-aware. Um, a very good book on. I this is so funny. I podcasted it before. I said nearly the exact same books, and this is nearly, this is months and months later. Um, and I've read a lot of books since then, but it still comes back to those, which is very very funny. Um, but obviously, it very much affirms the books that I've chosen. Um, it would be A Force of Good, and it's done by um, Daniel Goldman, but it's actually uh, it's about the Dalai Lama. Um, it's very much looking at like the Dalai Lama's vision of the world and looking at Buddhism. And now, I wouldn't have, like, personally for myself, I wouldn't be a very religious person, but the idea of Buddhism in practice is very much of how can we improve the world or how can we make the world a better place in a very 
um, I hate saying evidence-based, but in a very um, practical fashion, in a very quantitative fashion, this is what you need to, like, this is what you should do. And, like, the, the ideas of, like, be the change that you want to see in the world, like, and, like, it, 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 or charity, like, you know, oh, I want to do charity work. But, like, if you don't show charity at home, then you're not going to show it. Like, it's not enough to do, like, do that there. And it's not truly, like, for you. It's not, it's not real. Um, and I think that book very much so, uh, The Force of Good by Daniel Goleman, gave me the awareness of my emotional intelligence from that point of view, like how do people work, like how does this world we live in work in the sense of like, what like, what am I to give to like, you know, obviously get the most out of life for myself, but like do it in a fashion that like makes the place better for everyone else. Um, and you know, we're all human, like none of us are perfect, but I mean if you can take even a few principles um, from that idea um, for the, the Dalai Lama's vision. It feels very, very, uh, I found it very profound. Uh, yeah, it definitely touched me. Um, and then third, I would say, so we have people, we have a bit of perspective around the world, and then a work-based book that like literally blew my mind. Uh, I'm very much a fan of financial intelligence wise. I do like some of Tony Robbins stuff on how to like get into like mutual funds and um, like SP 500s and start creating like your own form of pension for like um, long term uh, financial growth. Um, but I would say the top one would be Ray Dalio's principles. So Ray Dalio is one of the most famous hedge fund uh, dudes in the whole of, like of existence. The man is just like insane how much he's achieved. Um, his book on principles, I mean, it shows it gives you like the like it's a step by step of how to like achieve said goals. Very very business fashion book is of how to like run a business, but you can take the principles of like how to run that business into how to run yourself. And I found that book like. It's funny because I gave it to my brother, and he didn't have the same like he didn't have the like, oh my god like yes I like totally see that. So I know like and it gave me the awareness that you know every time someone reads a book is very much of what you take out of it and the form of reflection you get out of it you know. Um, but with that, it it very much gave me the ideas of okay if this guy can run a business like this, maybe I can make myself a business and run myself like this to an extent and take those principles. Um, and having the, the the perspective from this dude is like very very practical um, and very uh, relatable. I would say you know having being radically transparent with yourself, like truly transparent. And he talks about it in a business fashion, but more so in the sense of you know be real with yourself. Like if you have this goal, like and if you're not achieving it, you're not on the road. Then reevaluate, man. Like what's going on? Like are you being honest with yourself? Are you doing the things? that is going to actually potentially achieve that or are you just like are you just talking shit to yourself you know um, and also it looks at the idea of work like the concept of work in different scenarios very practical guides and steps and what's it like is so good gives me so so anyway the middle of the book gives you like this like little little snippet of how life should work in business and how life should work in life and he puts all of that into a summary in the middle so that if you don't even want to read the book just read like the 20 40 pages in the middle to get all of the summaries do you know what I mean uh, it's uh, yeah I think that was probably like my number one because he smashes life and he smashes work very very relatable um, it is quite a, it's, it's a thick enough book but if you're not wanting to put the reading in I mean you can go to the summary pages um, yeah I'd say they're probably my top three at the yeah I've read, I've read two of them myself and I'm going to get on the force of good for sure because it sounds super interesting the principles very Dalio um, like yeah it's very long but like if you don't necessarily like to read you can just get the audio version get the audiobook and it's it's very good as well
And Kieran, do you follow any particular like morning routine or evening routine yourself? Uh, oh man, it's so funny with routine. I think people that can follow a consistent routine don't have many variabilities in life. And variabilities means excitement and change and different things. And if you can stick to one same structure, then fair play to you. But life generally doesn't run that way in any fashion. Um, I like to play a bit with things. I love playing a bit with different forms of routine. Um, and, I've, and I I suppose taking it back, routine itself, I like I, stri- I strive on routine. If I go, if I'm not like just chilling out and like uh, hanging out with people and socialising too much, after a week or two of that, I very much get like like in a state, uh, not an anxious state, but I become acutely aware that okay, like this is not me. This is like I don't have my building blocks. Like what I need to get my building blocks back in. So. Having a routine in the sense of, you know, my eating needs to be, I need to, like, know what the story is of my eating. I can't just eat shit all the time. I need to have exercise. Like, exercise needs to be a routine for me. It doesn't matter what time of the day. I need to exercise, like, multiple times during the week. It's a form of stress relief. It's therapy. Like, yeah, it's a necessity. From the idea of routine, I think routine is a funny concept. How about changing the idea of this is a chronological thing that you should do every day, this is the time I should get up. How about having changing your theology behind routine and having systems in place? So, you know, exercise is one thing. What type of exercise do they do, for how long, at what duration and when, that's malleable, that can change. And everything can change as long as you just keep the blocks. So with routine... Don't make routine like the main, like, you know, this is like the cut edge thing. This is what I do. This is what you should do. Like, make your building blocks that are meaningful to you. So exercise is my thing. Food is my other thing. Reading is my other thing. I have to have, like, those three are, like, my main. And then everything after that is extra. You know, your different projects, people you want to meet and all that. Um, for me, I tested out a lot of getting up early. Um, I think it was mainly from the influence of uh, initially getting very excited about life and thinking, oh, I have to, like, I can only, like, sleep, like, four hours a day and I must, like, do this much work to be this successful. And it's just lunacy. So I used to, uh, when I first came over to Liverpool, I was getting up at, like, four in the morning. I was, like, working out for, like, two hours. I was doing, like, an hour of reading. I was working eight hours a day at work. I was coming back and doing another hour of reading. I was doing my own projects. I was smashing the gym. And I had sleep maybe four and a half hours. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, it's not not healthy. Like, you put yourself in a strange state of being. It's not enjoyable. I probably did that for maybe three months. Um, now, I probably got a lot done, which I did. But is it sustainable? Was it healthy? Did it benefit me from a health longevity point of view? Definitely not. Um, did it affect my mental health? 100%. Like, you're naturally going to be, like, in a not okay state. Um, so I definitely prioritize sleep after like, what's that guy's name Matthew Walker I'm going to say the dude who did all, so, all the research on legend like that dude I, like, I watched that uh, Joe Rogan podcast before reading his book and blew my mind like sleep is so essential man like it, insane it has to be prioritized so now sleep is another building block you know and with, uh, like my routine is very much like what are my topic things I need I need exercise I need food I need reading, I need sleep, and then anything after that is extra. Um, so writing a plan very much isn't for me. It's it's very much, I have my I have my blocks, I know life is going to change, and it has to be very malleable. As long as I can fit them in, then you know I know I'm achieving or looking to achieve what I want to achieve. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, if you were to give a device to an 18-year-old self, uh, what, what advice would, would you give? 
18, man. 18 is such a funny age, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? You just become an adult. You just want to, like, smash going out with your friends and go drinking and just, like, hit town and all the above unless you're, like, underage and had a fake ID and all the above. But um, I would say, like, take big action and embrace risk. Um, and I don't think I appreciate that until now. Because I don't like I don't have uh, uh, like a lot of people have loans to pay back. A lot of people have families and children, full time jobs and all that. Like you know, when you're young, well, I mean, I'm very still like 24, like still very young. But like when you're even younger, like 18, like just like do like whatever you want to do, man. Like do it and like like just like like give a bit of work to it because you'd be surprised what you get out of it. Because if you start younger, the more you get out of it, it's insane. Like take for example, like um, like Gary McGowan, like absolute gentleman. Um, who has like skinny, uh, skinny, skinny guys on Instagram and like triage and all the above. Like his coaching platform is awesome, but that dude, like he like smashed it like when he was like in his teenage years. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, and and you're only seeing the results of like how hard a guy's working, the product that someone has after like you, you know years of like giving it a good grind. Um, so I'd say it's like start like, get into something you enjoy doing and start smashing it like. ASAP. And there's no rush either. Life is long, and if you don't, you don't. But I mean, if you're 18, yeah, like that's what that's the advice I would definitely give. Um, and then also, I think like I got very, very um, into the idea for myself that oh, I have to like I have to like get everything done now. Like I need to start achieving. I need to start being successful. And all this. Like don't like don't grow up too fast. You know, enjoy like again like being mindful, etc. Like enjoy like being the center now that you are. Like go enjoy university if you're going to university. Like enjoy your social interactions. Like don't adult too quickly. Don't jump into a full time job if it's not something you're truly want to do. Like just enjoy like being a kid still because 18 to like 18 to like 21 22 you're still kind of like just like messy like you're just flinging about like and if you're in university or college then you have that outlet to just like like still be a, like an adulting child you know um and then thirdly i would say and oh man i literally preach this like when i have kids like this is like the like the biggest thing i would say read like read books like read reading is freedom absolute freedom um yeah, like get reading into you, like, like just like fall in love with it. I hated reading when I was a kid. Like I hated fiction. I could not relate to like reading like fantasy stories and all this. I think the one book I read actually was Narnia. Uh, when I was like thirteen, I was like, I'm never reading again. That was such a trek. And then I fell in love with it um, during university and after university. I like, non nonfiction, like had like educate myself. And, like for myself, like what I would say is that you know reading is very much another key. Or another piece of the puzzle that you're making for yourself like it's another like oh another answer like let's get going again like this is giving me new ideas it's like it, 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 a form of maybe your own inspiration if you take it like if you have that view or mindset like this is something i'm going to get that's going to progress me then like it's going to like it's going to make you want to read more and more um and i would say like no, don't only just read like read multiple things in multiple different ways you know, don't just like think that reading has to be a boring thing that you do before bed and you can only read one book. Like I'm very much an advocate of reading like three to four books at a time and doing it in different scenarios. So like it, it, having a constant, um, I said this before, like having a constant, like an activity. So like traveling, I think traveling great for reading. It gives you in such a flow. And if you can hit a flow state, you can smash through pages so, so quickly. Um, and doing it like while you're exercising as well. I find it's great for like like when I'm like trying to do cardio. I hate to like everyone hates doing cardio, but like get on a treadmill and like open a book 
you know, like 20 minutes past, like literally just like that, you've smashed like 15, 20, 30 pages um, and you've, uh, you've made it an enjoyable activity. It's not just like reading now. Now it's like, oh, I'm actually losing body fat or, oh, I'm actually going to this place. So uh, it's again, it's thinking, changing your whole the concept of like what reading is, what is this to you? Because if you can change the fundamentals of it and make it more interesting to yourself and more meaningful, then you're naturally going to do more of it and more of it in any way that you can. Um, and if you were to like, if you were to think, if you were to think about the habits, kind of like, what is the habit that has helped you the most in in the last five years? Um, I would say. How does help me the most? Actually, do you know what really um, changed? It was a game changer for me. Um, and going back to Dale Carnegie, who was a preacher of this in uh, in in that book, uh, How to Win People Over, is like, give you like he says it in the sense of when you're talking to people. But I was very much of like talk, talking to myself when I'm saying this is that like, give yourself a name to live up to, um, and make that a habit. Um, not so much the actual task. I think habit can be very much taken as a form of doing and very physical, but take habit as a as a psychological construct that you have. Like, give yourself a name to live up to, because if you can give yourself a name to live up to, that will be an innate motivator to get you over the shitty times when you're very tired, and when you're hungry, or when you're not arsed, and when you want to socialize, you want to drink, you want to eat shit, whatever. If you give yourself a name to live up to, then it takes the question out of it. There's no question. Now it's something I, like, this is what I do. This is what I'm doing now. And funny enough, man, Instagram was a, a fantastic outlet for me to do that. And since I started with my, like, own Instagram page and Occy Fitness, get on it, uh, Occy Fitness, um, since I started that page two years ago, like, that was a great outlet for me to, like, give myself a name to live up to and be very creative from which the content you want to put out and just very much be yourself. But if you give yourself a goal of doing a post every day and it doesn't matter what form of social outlet or it can just be yourself like write something down uh, like make yourself a list say this is like uh, I, I want to sit down every day and just like do this one thing pick one thing to be consistent at and then translate that like for me I was very much of the idea that consistency is something that is very nice to see but it's very hard to practice and I wanted for myself to know that I could be consistent at something before I like preach that or like you know get any like form of successful doing, and that started with actually tracking macros. When I tracked macros first, maybe like two and a half years ago, and went on like a proper like um, cut as you would say, or like shedded like body fat, went into a caloric deficit. If I could be consistent at that one thing, which I was, and I was really happy with how things turned out. It was very much a psychological change in my headset, or my headset mindset, but a very much mindset change or game changer was that, okay, I can be consistent at this thing because I have done this this form of actor doing, and it has given me this goal or result. And again, taking this concept and idea and put this bracket into whatever you want to achieve. So I did the same with, okay, I want to be consistent with reading. Okay, I want to be consistent with exercise and nutrition. Okay, I want to be consistent with whatever goal I'm doing. And having those pillars or having those, again, coming back to like your main pillars, like I said uh, originally with like making habits, I think that is like the most helpful thing or like the essential thing you need to like create consistency because what is consistent, like what is a habit? Like a habit is being consistent at a form of doing 
and why is a habit a habit? It's either because, well, mainly a habit is a habit because it's subconscious. It becomes subconscious and you don't have to attend to it and it becomes a subroutine. But to make something a subroutine, it has to be meaningful to you, meaningful to you for you to attend to it because if you don't enjoy doing it, then man, you're not going to do it. So from that point of view, the habit needs to be or the, the task or activity needs to be something you enjoy doing. Um, so doing something you love, pick your, pick your pillars, and that is like the building foundation to like actually create some form of good consistent doing okay and you like when you feel overwhelmed or just unfocused yourself like what is your approach how do you deal with that we all have our different ways don't we you know um and i think educating yourself is obviously a big thing um for getting over any form of stress or feeling like um uncomfortable um or unfocused um but in that, I would say embrace that. Like, if you're feeling stressed out, or if you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused, like embrace the fact that there's something you're not you're not doing here. There is a form of learning. Like, this is gold. Like, this is why. Like, this is why the whole idea of doing and failing and and doing and fa doing failing learning and etc the whole the very dalio goes on with this i'm sure as you've seen in his book you know the learning cycle you know you do something you mess up you learn from what you did and then you make a more audacious goal to keep on going and that form of doing like embrace it if you're messing up man there is a form of learning in that and that is absolute gold um and in that in a sense to get over that for myself especially you really need to acknowledge, acknowledge what like what is the issue, and that comes back to again being transparent, having a form of realness with yourself, and getting into the nitty gritty like what is the issue here, and then from that like diet like that diagnosis that you've made, like make an action plan like like because what's stressing you or what's making you unfocused, and a lot of it is either like lack of interest or motivation in said goal, or lack of certainty about what you're doing, and now if you can minimize those two by diagnosing said issue, then you can make an action plan to get over that. But, and and also obviously like be very audacious with it, like make it crazy, like make it big. Cause if you don't make it big and if it doesn't kind of like scare you a little bit, then you know, you're not going to have that feeling again of, uh, overwhelmness or like, Oh, or like, I'm not, I'm not, this is like, I'm not learning here. I'm not improving. Um, so I think mainly making those big goals that really, really scare you, but being really true to yourself as well. It's probably the thing that I use most in overcoming that form of stress. And this is the final question for you. Um, if you could display a message to the world so everybody could see this, uh, like it might be a big giant billboard, I don't know, you you name it, but like anyone, everyone can see this message basically. Uh, what would that message be? For everyone to see, for the whole world to see it, um, in one sentence, and me being the ambiguous, concise Glad that I am. Well, um, I would say gain as much perspective and insight as possible to interact with as many people in like a meaningful fashion or a meaningful way, and like truly get good at what you love doing. Say so that would, I think that would conclude it all in one. Gain as much perspective and experience as possible, so you can like get like talk to as many people, like create as much experience for yourself, and then. Like find something that you want to like fun to do and just like get going, like get really good at it. Um, so like give yourself like a pretty good shot at life, you know. If you want to get one, so you might as well do something you love and experience it with as many people as you can. Wow, what an answer! 
Well, look, Kieran, I think we'll wrap up the podcast now because it is going to go on for a while if we continue. But yeah, listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thank you for your time. And yeah, it was a very interesting conversation. Absolutely, Jen. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, absolute pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it'd be pretty cool if you shared it with your friends or anyone else who you think would benefit from it. You can find all the show notes by going to the website chasingpassion.e. That is chasingpassion.e. Thank you for listening today and I hope you enjoyed the episode.